Hello, and welcome to the second episode of The Data Dive, a series of podcasts discussing the role data play in substance misuse prevention work. My name is Beverly Triana Tremaine, and I am the epidemiologist for the South Southwest Prevention Technology Transfer Center in Region 6. The PTTC network is funded by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Administration, or SAMHSA. The Data Dive is part of SAMHSA's PTTC network, which includes members from Regions 2, 3, 6, and 9. Our second podcast focuses on why a needs assessment is a necessary process. Our host is Corey Morton, Assistant Professor at the University of New Hampshire. Corey is from the Northeast and Caribbean Prevention Technology Transfer Center, serving Region 2. Hello, Corey. Where will the data dive be taking us today? Thanks, Beverly. Today we'll be talking with Josh Ezrick, Senior Policy Analyst at Carnival Associates. Josh is from the Central East PTTC, serving Region 3. Our podcast today will focus on the rationale behind conducting a needs assessment for your community's substance misuse prevention needs. Hello, Josh. Uh, to get us started, why should a community group or organization conduct a needs assessment? Hi, Corey. Great question. There are many important reasons for why substance use preventionists should conduct a needs assessment. I'll run through them in a moment, but first, let me say that all these reasons connect back to the same core idea, which is that a needs assessment gives us information. Information on the substance use landscape and context around us. Information that we can use for many purposes to become more effective and responsive in serving the needs of our states and communities. And information to be more proactive in addressing potential issues before they become needs. This information can be data on needs, things like what are current substance use and initiation rates, or how prevalent are various risk and protective factors for substance use, or what current prevention strategies and programs are in place, or what gaps in prevention currently exist, and so on. It can also be knowledge about feasibility, what prevention resources are at our disposal, how ready is the community for new prevention initiatives, what stakeholders can we reach out to for collaborative purposes and other topics of that nature? And once we have this information, there are many reasons we would want to use it. We can use it to prioritize our needs, plan for new prevention initiatives, understand challenges or benefits we may face during implementation, and have a baseline to evaluate our future success. We can also use it to better communicate with community stakeholders, to keep them informed and involved and supportive of our efforts. So there's a lot of reasons why we should conduct a needs assessment. And of course, there's one last reason, which is that sometimes we're required to conduct one by a funder like SAMHSA. Those requirements are in place because of all the reasons I just ran through, which preventionists should care about. But the bottom line is, if it's required, you have to do it or risk losing your funding. So conducting a needs assessment helps focus prevention planning and supports the funding of those efforts? That's right, Corey. Because there are all these important reasons for why we should conduct needs assessments, it is quite common for prevention funding to be tied to requirements around completing one. This is because prevention funding is limited and funders, like SAMHSA, want to ensure that funding is being used as effectively and efficiently as possible. Needs assessments help ensure that by getting us closer to having perfect information. 
which is the concept that we have all the data necessary to make the exactly correct decisions at all times. We'll never actually have truly perfect information, but needs assessments help us get closer to that ideal. So funding requirements, that's the first reason for why you need a needs assessment. Tied into this concept, there are also fidelity requirements for conducting a needs assessment, which may in fact be funder requirements as well. So the most common best practice for planning for an evidence-based approach to prevention is the Strategic Prevention Framework, or SPIF. The SPIF is a five-step process for preventionists to complete the steps necessary to identify, implement, and evaluate the best fit evidence-based prevention initiatives for their states and communities. The first step of that five-step process is conducting a needs assessment because a needs assessment gives us the information we need to be able to complete the rest of the process. By knowing and understanding our needs, it gives us the information on what types of capacity building we should focus on, the information on what problems we need to address in planning for new prevention initiatives, the information on what resources we have for implementing new prevention initiatives, and the information to set up a baseline to evaluate if our initiatives produce any positive outcomes. These fidelity requirements are the second reason why you need a needs assessment. What types of information do prevention organizations need to have in order to produce the best possible needs assessment that also stays true to the strategic prevention framework? Well, let's take a step back for a minute and talk about that, since I think it will help clarify where, why there are so many uses for this information. Through a needs assessment, we can learn about how prevalent various substances are across various demographics, how those prevalences have changed since the last needs assessment, and how those prevalences compare to other national trends, state trends, other states' trends, or other communities' trends, depending on data availability. We can also learn about what root causes are driving these prevalences, how readily available are different substances, what prices do they have, what are attitudes towards use, are there perceptions of harm from use, and so on. Plus, we can learn about what is currently being done to prevent use. Are there marketing campaigns, law enforcement activity, educational events, social learning activities, skills building workshops, and so on and on. And we can learn about community readiness to further address use, such as what are community attitudes and norms towards use. For instance, how much of the community feels like the use of a particular substance is a problem in their community? Are there stakeholders, like a school district principal or superintendent, we can partner with on new initiatives? Or could any of the existing prevention initiatives be expanded or modified to serve additional needs? And there's a lot of reasons we should have this information, many of which I've already touched upon. First of all, it lets us be more responsive to community needs. We can use data to ensure that we are serving the populations most impacted by use, however we might define that. Um, we can ad address the substances that are causing these impacts and dealing with the root causes behind this substance use. If our community is facing skyrocketing binge drinking, we want to make sure we have programs and strategies in place to address that issue and not focusing all our efforts elsewhere. So being responsive to community needs is the third reason for why you need a needs assessment. A fourth reason is that it lets us better and more effectively complete our planning process for determining what new initiatives we should engage in. A key element of the SPIF planning process is completing a logic model for our activities. And to create a logic model, we need to know our inputs or resources, the activities we will implement with those inputs, 
the problems those activities will address, the outputs we seek to achieve from doing so, and the outcomes that those outputs will hopefully achieve. The information we obtain through a needs assessment helps us fill in all of these logic model boxes. How might an organization go about completing a logic model once the needs assessment's completed? So let's start from the end point, the outcomes. Our outcomes should be about dealing with community needs. Otherwise, we aren't being responsive. So if our needs assessment says there's a very high rate of youth binge drinking, one outcome we'll want is to have lower rates of binge drinking. Maybe another is lower rates of drunk driving, and so on. Moving backwards in our logic model, what outputs do we need so that those outcomes can be achieved? This will be based on the outcomes themselves, which as I just said, are based on the needs assessment, and will be based on what problems are stopping those outcomes from occurring naturally, which will also come from needs assessments data. Maybe our needs assessment found that youth view alcohol use as a rite of social, social passage, and also found that retail sellers are not checking IDs to prevent underage sales. In that case, one output we want is increased enforcement of retail sales restrictions to youth. And another output we want is a change in youth attitudes towards use. Moving on, what activities will we implement to address these problems and cause these outputs? These will be based on what the problems are, which comes from the needs assessment, and from what inputs or resources we have available to support new activities, which also comes from the needs assessment. Let's say that we'll increase retail alcohol compliance checks and we'll implement a program to educate parents about ways to talk to their children about alcohol use. And lastly, we have inputs, which we can partially complete with the pieces of the needs assessment that deal with community readiness and awareness. Maybe there's a parent-teacher association meeting that occurs monthly. That could be an input if we use that as an avenue to start talking with parents about talking to their children about alcohol use. So logic models, that's number four. So we've been hearing a lot about how completing a needs assessment can help plan the prevention work in a community. How can a needs assessment then inform the outcomes we expect to see in an intervention? So a fifth reason for why you need a needs assessment is that a needs assessment gives us the data needed to have an evaluation baseline. By collecting all the information on prevalence use and trends and root causes and so on that I went through, we have a clear picture of where things stand before we start doing anything new. That way, when we can collect data again at some point after we implement whatever new prevention initiatives that we implement, we can make a pre-post comparison and see how things changed. Now that alone isn't enough to make any definitive claims about whether the initiative worked, but it is a start. Ideally, we'd also have some sort of comparison group that we could use as a control group. Having a true control group is very difficult in prevention, but maybe we could compare changes in our community to any changes at the state level. That might be one of the easier ways to bolster an evaluation. But regardless of what we do, without that evaluation baseline about what's happening in our community, which comes from the needs assessment, we can't do any type of outcome evaluation. Related to this, the sixth reason why you need a needs assessment is that it enables us to know when we need to make changes in the work we are doing. Not every substance can be addressed with the exact same strategies and policies, and not every demographic can be served in the exact same manner. 
a campaign targeting underage alcohol use is going to look different from a campaign targeting older adult prescription opioid misuse. And a prevention initiative serving a homeless population is going to look different from one serving high school students. Needs assessments let us identify new patterns of substance use and prepare for what changes in services and programming we may need to make. So Josh, you've mentioned several facets of needs assessment planning that incorporate data and a knowledge of community resources. Could you step back and talk a bit about the intersection uh, of the goals a prevention organization may have in the context of available resources? Definitely. Feasibility is the key piece here, and I've mentioned it a few times. It's very important for us to not only know what issues we need to address, but also what capacity and capability we have available to address them. There's a concept called best fit when it comes to prevention planning, meaning what program, policy change, activity, intervention, et cetera, can we do that is the best fit for our community? We come up with our best fit based on two criteria. The first is the conceptual fit. What can we do that best addresses the needs of our community? And we've talked a lot about needs already. The second criteria is the practical fit. What can we do that we're capable of doing what do we have the funding, the training, the stakeholder partnerships, the community attitudes, and so on in place to be able to do? Through a needs assessment, we can learn the answers to all of that and determine what is feasible for us to do. The best fit is what has the strongest balance between the conceptual and practical fit for our community. And there may be more than one thing. So the seventh reason why you need a needs assessment it lets us understand our total capacity and ensure we are focused on what initiatives are the best fit for our community. Maybe there are lots of initiatives that are good fits that we really want to be able to do, but resources are limited. We need to make sure we're focusing on the best fits first to ensure that we are absolutely maximizing our ability to improve community outcomes. Closely related to this is the eighth reason, which is that a needs assessment lets us better understand what initiatives we need to rule out. We may find that there are certain things that would be amazingly good conceptual fits for our community, but they are entirely impractical to implement. In those cases, yes, theoretically, it would be great if we could do that thing, but it's not the best fit. It's not even a good fit because we're simply not capable of actually doing it. Maybe there needs to be specialized knowledge that we don't have or an amount of funding that we can't obtain or a level of community readiness that is not available. Whatever the reason, Let's put those initiatives to the side and maybe revisit them if a future needs assessment finds that the practical fit has improved. What are some of the ways that organizations can improve their capacity around the types of initiatives they want to implement? So it's always important to remember that we never work in a vacuum. There are many other people and organizations with an interest in addressing substance use who we collectively refer to as stakeholders. Working with stakeholders can give us access to new data or information that we previously didn't have, expanding the scope of our needs assessment. It can also give us new perspectives on community needs and how to address them, particularly if we're trying to serve vulnerable or minority populations. And it can expand the scope and reach of our prevention initiatives. There's a lot of reasons why we wanna work with stakeholders. And the first step of engaging with anyone is to communicate what you want to do, why you wanna do it, and how you wanna work with them on it. It doesn't matter what the work is, anything from trying to 
closely collaborate with a school district on a new classroom program to trying to explain to a community leader what new information you want to spread in the community. It all starts with communication. As I said, part of that communication is explaining why you want to do whatever it is you want to do. We've talked a lot today about figuring out this why, and it comes from the information we obtain in a needs assessment. If having this information helped you understand why something should be done, then it stands to reason that if others have this information, they will also understand why, which is the ninth reason why you need a needs assessment. It gives you the information you need to be able to communicate to other stakeholders why you want to address certain issues, implement certain initiatives, and so on. This is important when you're communicating with stakeholders you want to work with, as already discussed, but it's also important when communicating with outside stakeholders. You might not have the bandwidth to work with every entity with a vested interest in addressing substance use in the community. However, you can ensure that everyone has access to the basic details of what you're doing, maybe through a newsletter or a presentation at a town hall or something of that nature. That way, you can address any concerns they might have and hopefully prevent those concerns from becoming obstacles and give them the opportunity to respond and give feedback to your plans. Sticking with communication, the 10th and final for today reason why you need a needs assessment is accountability. Accountability to funders, to collaborators, and to the community at large. There's a lot of moving pieces to substance use prevention and a lot of different things we could be doing. We need to be able to justify that we chose and implemented the best fit for our communities, maybe through official reports, like an annual report to SAMHSA, or unofficial statements, like a presentation at a town hall. Regardless of how we're doing it, we need to be able to point to the data that led us to make the decisions that we made. We get that data through a needs assessment. Without that needs assessment data, there's no way to verify that we're acting in the best interests of our community. Thank you, Josh. This has been a great overview of the rationale behind conducting a needs assessment. I'm wondering if you could list out those 10 reasons as we close this podcast for today. Of course. The 10 reasons why you need a needs assessment are, one, they can be required by a funder. Two, they are required to have fidelity to a best practices planning model. Three, they ensure responsiveness to community needs. Four, they guide prevention planning processes. Five, they provide baseline data to evaluate future success. Six, they enable identification of changes in trends and needs. Seven, they help focus resources towards the best fit initiatives for the community. Eight, they help determine what capacity exists for new initiatives. Nine, their findings can be communicated to stakeholders. 10, they promote accountability. And that's why you need a needs assessment. Thank you, Josh. Companion documents to support needs assessment and a transcript of today's podcast are available for download on our website, pttcnetwork.org. Future episodes of the Data Dive will also be available on the PTTC Network website. Thanks for listening.